What does it all mean, Basil? Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. So in a nice bit of serendipity, I was in Singapore last week and my friend John McIntyre was there. Some of you may know John. He launched one of his businesses on the Tropical MBA podcast. It's a business that helps entrepreneurs with email marketing and autoresponders. He's the autoresponder guy. He don't want to talk about autoresponders when we caught up. He wanted to talk about, you know, what do you do when you've gotten through those first few years of running a business, you've survived, and you can go where you want, you kind of own your time. I know it's a high-quality problem, but a lot of people have the problem. They're like, you know, what do I do now? That's what this episode is going to be about. Now, don't worry. I pushed John for some details later on in the episode. It's not going to be all philosophical. We're going to talk about scale in year three of a productized service business. And we're also going to talk about some stories of life in Chiang Mai. This one should be a pretty relaxing one. If you want to join the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. All the links from my previous episodes with John and related topics will be at tropicalmba.com slash meaning. I think it's, it's something that I've been struggling with and a lot of people I've seen struggle with is this idea of when you start, you read the four-hour work week and you think that, I think we all think this, I know I did, it's sort of like an unconscious thing that when I get there, when I have a business that means I can quit my job, live anywhere in the world I want, whether it's Thailand or Sydney or Hong Kong or Singapore, and just do whatever, all those things, like take as much time off as you want, relax, have fun, do all those things. You get there, you think it's going to make you happy, but then you actually arrive there and it's a bit like, well, I'm happy and this is fun and stuff and life's great, don't get me wrong. I don't want to get back to work. I don't want the job. But you realize that all you've really created is a platform on which to do something interesting with. You haven't actually done anything interesting yet. <laughs> all your work's still ahead of you. Exactly. <laughs> you mentioned that you're going to the U.S. for business opportunities. Hmm. This is something that people talk a lot about when you kind of, you know, you go to the small pond, hang out with a bunch of maybe internet marketers who are making a couple bucks on the webs. And you feel like maybe you've reached your ceiling there. There's a lot of multimillionaires that live in Chiang Mai too. It's not mm. just the stereotypes. There's this question here of when you read the four-hour work week, the aspiration is to get to a point where you don't really have to work, more or less, a four-hour work week thing. And then you realize, like when I think about, I guess I've been getting more philosophical about the whole thing, thinking once you've got the money and the freedom, then it's like you have a like set a platform to do whatever you want with life. And the question is, it's not really should you go bigger. It's more like, all right, well, the question is now, this is really how do you be happy? How does it mean to live a great life? And all the people I know who, like the people I know who work the least, they're never happier. It's not like they're worse off, but they're not exponentially better off than someone who has to work a lot. The people who are the happiest and the most excited to be you know, alive and just, just having a great time, which is, that's the sort of person I want to be, they actually often work really hard. Yeah. Usually it's because they've got, they're not really in it for the money because they either have the money already they just don't care about the money but they're doing something they care about some yeah. sort of mission or, or quest or something like that so that's when you realize when you have the money and the freedom you realize that the money doesn't actually make it gives you a platform or satisfies some kind of material needs it doesn't give you the answer it doesn't give you enlightenment there's more to life and you, so when I think about that it's not about going to the US for say 
going big or doing business. It's more like, what's more interesting? Staying in Thailand, because I could do this for the rest of my life. Be one of those like retiree guys and get married and have 20 kids and just, just stay in Thailand forever. And I'd have yeah. that dream lifestyle for the next 60 years. But like, that sounds kind of boring. It's fun for a year. And it's like, all right, what's next? Right. So, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us, like the challenge or the appeal of the perpetual travel lifestyle, you know, it's a challenge, a quest in and of itself just to get there. I saw in the forum the other day, someone posted that the theme of 2015 might be home basing. Hmm. A lot of people, they're reverting. It's the grass is greener. You got a home, you got a home base and you're forced to be there. You want to live the perpetual lifestyle and kick the can down the road. Your visa hopping for three years and you're thinking, wow, it'd be really great to have a big screen TV with a pool table in the basement. Mm-hmm. You want know another thing, right? This whole like four-hour work week, this this digital nomadism, what, like it, there's a bit of like a cult going on where everyone's like glorifying business, glorifying entrepreneurship as though it's like entrepreneur is like God's gift to man. That's kind of like once, you know, when you haven't done it or when you were new to it, maybe that's how it's easy to think like that. But then you do it for a while and you're like, it's just a different way to live. I thought it'd be cool here to take a step back, actually, and sort of recap where John's come from, because he's tracked pretty nicely with this, you know, start a productized service thing, like learn a skill the first year, sell the skill the second year, and scale it in the third year. We're going to talk about his story of scale later on, but I think it'd be cool if he sort of rewound the clock. And if you remember, I used to do the, actually still do these things, where my friend has a resort in the Philippines, and he needs some WordPress support. So we basically made this deal where you could come to the resort. I mean, we've done this probably eight times. You can check out tropicalmba.com and see how it works. But people live in the resort for free, basically. And they provide a couple hours of support daily and just sort of be the resident smart person. I still remember the first time I talked to John on the phone because I got about, like it was early days. So I probably only got like 23 applications and didn't really find anyone I really liked. And I remember John applied late and he was like, hey, would you still consider me? And I was like, would you still jump on the phone with me? And I knew right away within a few minutes of talking that John was the guy. So we're going to sort of rewind time a little bit and hear how it all came together. So I was in Sydney, got this shady deal. I didn't actually think it was shady at the time. I think my family did, but I just was like, screw it. I'm going to do it. The alternative was, well, not TPS reports, but was going to an office each day. So to me, it was easy. Bought a one-way ticket, went to the Philippines, met you guys. had a blast. But what I had was a site that was making, say, $400 a month online. With That's right, the juicing site. The juicing site. So you had some knowledge of web development and of affiliate marketing and stuff like that. You were bit. basically trying to sell juice recipes. Yeah, more or less. Pretty exciting stuff. It's big yeah. business. $400 a month worth. And sold So that. you were the typical digital nomad, like yeah. with a niche site about random topic that you more or less could give a shit about yeah. and trying to turn that 400 into 4,000. Trying to. But then remember how I arrived and there was a Google update, one of those Panda updates, destroyed the site. So it went from $400 a month is not a lot, but it went down to 100 bucks a month. I lost 75% of my big income in like a day. So the week after I got there to set on this new adventure and this shady deal in the Philippines, <laughs> I lose like seven. 25% of that monthly revenue and then it's like scary so that was kind of where it started and then I tried a few things and eventually wound up writing copy there was a day when you were in the Philippines it was from one of those you did a couple little seminars at this resort Badlands in the Philippines Yeah. and I was sitting there and I had a pen and paper and I was writing out some sales letters some some advertisements from like 1950 by on a pen and paper Yeah. and you came over and you were like what the hell are you doing man it was crazy like, you got a computer what are you writing that down for and so we started talking about copy you right? gave me some psychological bullshit about you remember it's... it more and all you really bought in man I totally bought it it works you know <laughs> sold you on it and then eventually it wound up being email and then 
you said, well, I need some emails for the Tropical MVA. Yeah. So can you write some emails? You were like, oh, I'll give you a couple hundred bucks. I'm like, dude, what? I couldn't believe that someone, anyone would pay to have me write them emails. Because then it was like, we did that, wrote the emails. You paid, I think it was $200 at the time. Got 10 emails. We set that up. Worked really well. You asked me to do a little presentation on the email stuff. And, and then afterwards, you got everyone and be like, all right, before John goes, put your hand up if you'd pay $500 for this. And a whole bunch of people put their hands up. And then you started asking, well, like, how much would you actually pay? And Joe Bauer put his hand up and said, oh, $1,500 would be like a no-brainer. And like, so that was like that. It started clicking where it's like, it doesn't actually matter. Like the price of what I charge, this is where it all started, doesn't actually matter as long as I'm making something more than that. And after that, we all went down and sat down for dinner. And I think I had a conversation with Joe and we did some stuff way down the line. I got like three clients out of that. That's what kickstarted the whole thing and led to the whole autoresponder guy thing. And Yeah. So it's interesting yeah. to note about the story. That's where a lot of people crack up because you were nine months on the island with no income. And it wasn't like you're a dumb guy. You had previous experience and you're really smart and you're working really hard. So just to put it into context, how difficult these things can be, you know what I mean? Mm. Especially for people with not a lot of business experience or like a network of business relationships already in place from say a previous career or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So you were what, 22 at the time? I arrived, just turned 21. So you're nine months in, you're almost about ready to crack up. Oh, I was almost out of money. I checked my bank account because I did this for a talk recently. I had $100 left at one point. It was hard for a while. Like I remember I got depressed because I was doing, I feel like yeah, it was the location independent job and not like I was earning a lot of money. I couldn't have gone back to Sydney and done it because you know, I'd be scraping to get by in Sydney right. or back then. That's why I was in the Philippines. I bought a one-way ticket there. It wasn't like I was going to go there for four months or six months and try it out and then come back. Yeah. It was like, I'm going to go make this happen. If I fuck this whole thing up, I'm not going to die at least. Worst case scenario is I end up stranded on some Filipino island on a beach somewhere. Like, what's the big deal about that? I can swim every day. Right? <laughs> but, then it's, but then it's kind of like having that commitment really works. And then it's kind of like, well, I'm in Thailand. And as annoying as it gets sometimes, you know, back then, trying to do the client work myself, doing the course, having people negotiate me down, all the issues that come with that stage of the game. It was never an issue of like, oh, yeah, I'll just go back and get a job now. Because yeah. even if it was a location independent job, it was still location independent and I was still in Thailand. Yeah. And I knew it's very much that process side of it was, you know, if because I'm able to talk about this, yeah, I don't want a job. You're not really location independent or you're not really an entrepreneur if you don't have like a proper business that can last without you. Which are all valid points. But it's kind of like, well, this is a spectrum we're talking about. Yeah. And sort of to get to the one side of the spectrum or the, the end where you have the business and you can travel and you can take time off and you disappear for six months. How do you get there? You're writing $1,000 autoresponders. Yeah. How much money are you making at this point? And how do you push through to the point where you've got what you've got now where it's like you've got a membership site. You're paying people to write your autoresponders for you. Mm. You're focused on you know relationships, creating and connecting. How did you get through that year, that dip year? Well, you know what's funny? Because we, we met up in Hong Kong two years ago now. Yeah. Because I was actually working on a different business. I partnered up with a guy and we're yep. going to run this supplement business. After a few, it was three or four months doing that, I put all the marketing stuff on hold and went to work with him and it just didn't work out in the end. So we both went our separate ways and then I went back to the marketing thing. And at first it was like, I almost ran out of money again. Right. It's kind of funny. I mean, Thailand, I'm almost running out of money. That was kind of like another big, oh, shit. <laughs> but then it was kind of like, it goes back to that attitude of like, well, I'm going to make it happen. If it all goes belly up, which it won't. This is the thing about client business. It's the worst thing that happens is you don't make much money one month. You don't have payroll to meet. So it's not like you're going to go bankrupt. Or you can't really go bankrupt. Right. So in that sense, it didn't really matter if that it got low. You could low. go to mom's couch. You could. Or friend's couch. Could. That's sort of the backstop. I'd prefer the beach in the Philippines, man. Yeah. Beach in the Philippines. Yeah. Dining off of no fallen Wi-Fi coconuts. Those are those deep fried fish that they got in the Philippines. It's, it's really good. Delicious. Yeah. Those eyeballs, man. <laughs>
we talk about this with a joke, like, hey, you know, John could have gone back to mom's couch, but it's actually something, you know, we talk about a lot on the Tropical MBA podcast, which is limiting your downside, especially limiting your expenses. And for a lot of us in this community, places like beaches in the Philippines, places like Chiang Mai, Thailand, aren't only really cool places to explore and to have sort of a life adventure in, but they're also really practical in terms of baselining your expenses, getting them as low as possible, and focusing your energy on growing the skill set that you can eventually build a profitable business around. So, you know, John did that in both the Philippines and Chiang Mai. So I thought I'd ask him a couple of questions about his experience in Chiang Mai. We talked about this a second ago, right? That Chiang Mai, you came there and like, this isn't a very sexy place. No. There's no beach. There's not really much of a nightclub scene. Like there's nothing that exciting going on in Chiang Mai. Yeah. I think that's why I like it. Because it's like when I turned up there in October 2012, that was just after I'd left the Philippines after the Tropical Olympia internship, the gig there. And so I was fresh. I wasn't making much money. I had to, you know, be careful. And so I ended up in Thailand and I knew that I wasn't ready to go and travel and, and party and do all that yet. I needed to like batten down the hatches. And Chiang Mai just happened to be, because originally I went there, I was thinking, oh, I'll stay here for a month or two. I didn't even know what's next. And then three years went by, whether three years this year sometime. It's just so easy to live. It's like, it's not sexy, but like I've got, when I was there, I just left. I had a luxury apartment in the best part of town. We had an office. I lived one minute from the office. I've got all sorts of Western food, super healthy stuff, all within a one minute place from where I live. The gym's around the corner. I've actually gotten into motorcycles. I love like on weekends going and renting a big ass motorcycle and taking off into the mountains with some friends, whether it's like on the road instead of just kicking along way too fast because there's not really any speed limits in Thailand. (laughs) Or last week, you know, Ben Kruger, right? So we got a couple bikes and James Farah, who grabbed a couple dirt bikes, went up to Pai. So Pai's three hours from Chiang Mai. Off into the jungle, single trail dirt bikes, like downhill mountain bike except you're going uphill and it's kind of like having a downhill bike but it's got a bigger level it's got it's not huge but there's an engine on it that's fun it's like that kind of stuff man like that's what Chiang Mai is great for that there's no beach but there's motorcycles yeah I was thinking about this like is I live in a very uneventful place as well and you know we're here in Singapore all the crazy flashy things it's Ferraris man there's Ferraris everywhere you know Singapore's the kind of place where you can just like it sort of quietly robs you you know what I mean and like it's like look at all the pretty buildings and then you're broke that's my experience in Singapore but mm. some places look really good on paper and then you don't feel great when you're there that's one thing that I've noticed is like wow you know such and such a place has everything going for it it's affordable great rents you know lots of entrepreneurs there and then you're there and you find yourself getting on an airplane every three weeks so for me in particular I think this is an interesting thing about being location independent is mm. I don't really like living in cities I love going to cities and I understand why people live in cities, access to the strange, access to cool concerts. Mm. You can kind of travel without traveling. But once you can travel, Mm. I find myself living in exceptionally boring places. I don't know. I mean, you're playing basketball. That's the main thing. (laughs) So as someone who's in year three of this, you know, first year baseline and learn, second year sell and hustle and third year you scale that productized service business. I asked John if that is tracking with his experience and what he's doing to try to achieve that scale. I mean, in the sense of like, so I was doing like $1,000 autoresponders. Working with a guy lately to kind of look at it where, so I can take my skills and take, say, an autoresponder, some sort of email campaign and plug that into someone who's doing six figures online, yeah. 100 grand a year, for example. And the autoresponder, it's going to make them a little bit of money. It might make a couple grand in the next year, for example. But let's say I go take that to a, a mortgage company and the mortgage company's spending $10,000 a day buying leads. Right. 300 grand a month just on acquiring email addresses. 
And then I say, here's this campaign. It's the same thing as a 10 email autoresponder, but they're already spending 10 grand a day. So if they're buying that many leads and I can plug in like six emails that actually work and that convert them because they have the volume, they can potentially make the same $300,000 a month. I might be able to create for them $600,000 a month in profit with right. a campaign. So then it's like, what's that campaign worth? They'd laugh at me if I told them $1,000, right? <laughs> so it's like, all right, well, if looking at $600,000 profit, how about $30,000 to set the whole thing up? And it's six emails. So where my skill comes in is knowing where the profit really is in this industry. And these new sorts of end users that you're you know, plugging your stuff into, are they listening to podcasts? Are they coming through your thing? Or you have to change that strategy? So, yeah, the strategy needs to change. I get them occasionally coming to the site through the podcast. I hate that word, but the whole brand isn't built around corporates and big companies. Yeah. So they are there. I've had like one of the biggest car dealerships in Canada come to me. It was a mortgage company. That's why I thought of them. They're from the US somewhere, mortgage, yeah. So there's these interesting people that come. But yeah, to really do that properly, consistently, I need to have some sort of process. That's what I'm working on right now. question is is you do all this right you get to this point and then you're yeah. like all right business is good i don't need to work that much i can chill out hang out in singapore and do a little bit of work whatever you, you just yeah. live what you want and then it's like all right what's next yeah that's the question that no one really talks about no one's really answers it either that's where the most profitable business of all time comes <laughs> in. <laughs> i mean there's a lot of people that are in the meaning business i suppose well, I don't mean the meaning. So I mean more like, I mean, the question is like, how do you create meaning in your life? Because after you've got the freedom, then it's like, all right, well, what are you, it's not even just that whole, like, what are you passionate about? It's almost, I think it's just like interesting. What do you mean most excited to just do every day? Because mm. playing video games every day is not that fun. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I think about like, it'd be fun to go and just do bigger stuff, not to go and become a billionaire, sure. for example, but just to go do stuff to do it, you know? And the reason like I, we, I initially emailed you two weeks ago, I was saying it was a book called Bold, right? By Peter Diamandis. Yeah. And it's all about this. He calls them exponential technologies. It's very happy and marketery and whatever yeah but it's interesting to think about in the sense that i like this idea of the brain our brains are terrible at understanding linear versus exponential correct so in the 30 linear steps is 30 meters right if you take a meter and just times it by 30 you get to 30 meters sure if you take a meter and double it 30 times do you know how far it is but sorry you can go to the sun and back three times the idea is i think like what's interesting about it is that we don't understand the opportunities that we have and the equivalent of this is like John McIntyre from five years ago, you know, partying too much and working a crappy job in Sydney. He didn't know that it was as simple as building a site and just sticking with it for three years. And if right. he did, maybe he would have gotten started earlier, but he didn't get that. While it's really slow for the first year, it actually starts to pick up in speed in the second year. And then in the third year, it picks up a lot quicker after that. Yeah. So we just aren't wired for that exponential thinking. So, and I've seen that, like when I look back at my own life, there's been times when I haven't been able to properly predict how fast things actually happen once you build up some momentum. That's what's exciting. It's like, all right, so what could you kind of do with your life and kind of like just more interesting stuff? Like in this book, Bold, he talks about like space, 3D printing, all this kind of stuff. Apparently, I was chatting to a guy today from Australia, 250 grand gets you in a bus- into the rocket business. <laughs> Rockets. Rockets. You know what he says? He goes to a fucking bar and tries to meet a girl. And the girl, the girl's like, so what do you do? He's like, oh, I build spaceships. That works. That's got to work. And the other guy's like to him, yeah, I'm a vampire. <laughs> no one believes him. But like that's as, as, you know, 250 grand will get you into the business of putting rockets to get into space. Right. You can put a satellite up. You say, you can build a, how much do you think you can put a satellite into space for? No idea. Five grand. And it's not going to do much. It's going to go up there and beep and tell you what exists. <laughs> but it's still there, right? So you start playing around with it. You know, we think it's way off, these flying cars. And maybe some of it is way off. But at the same time, the way the exponential thing works is we're not going to linearly, like that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, make our way to these points. Sure. It's going to happen faster and faster and faster. This is where like it, there's a lot of money in it. But there's also, it just sounds like a lot of fun. 
It's like a video game. You know? So you're just trading in real video games for yeah. something that approximates the experience but is more profitable. Well, because <laughs> like, kind of, once you get the freedom, you get the money. It's like, all right, what are we going to do now? You've met all your material needs. You know? We both don't need a Ferrari. We don't really care for it. It looks nice. Yeah. Great to have one. But it'd be a pain in the ass to park. Right? <laughs> so we don't want it. It's just, what's more interesting? So you just, it's like a video game, man. Just life is a game. I like that. I think we're going to <laughs> John McIntyre, come back in a year, buddy. We want to see where you're at. Let's Hopefully, it. space. It's rockets, man. I'm going to be on Mars. We'll do the podcast via Skype right from Mars. <laughs> Something to aim for. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. So what are you doing for meaning? Have you achieved location and time independence? You know relatively speaking we'd love to hear your opinions not only that but we'll have all the previous episodes related to this topic and the discussion at tropicalmba.com slash meaning hey thanks for listening to the tropical mba podcast you can go to tropicalmba.com get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies load up your ipod that is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.